This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And today I want to look at another Old Testament text, that's Cain and Abel. And the story of Cain and Abel actually begins in Genesis chapter 3, because in Genesis chapter 3 we saw, and I've said this a number of times, we saw how Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, and then we saw how God cursed the creation because of sin, but he promised a Savior when he said to the serpent, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they knew they were naked. All of a sudden, they knew shame. Their nature changed. And this beautiful, perfect body that God gave them, you know, at the, after sin, they were ashamed of the genital part, genital parts of their body that produced children with a fallen sinful nature. And so what they did was they covered themselves with fig leaves. Now the word of God, well, the word of God doesn't say this, but I read commentaries and they say that um, the Garden of Eden was a rainforest. And in that rainforest, everything was really big. And so the fig leaves were really big and it covered them. And the key for this message is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, where it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So Adam and Eve clothed themselves their way. And God says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to clothe you my way. So the Lord, the Son of God, had to be the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, because he's the only part of God that took, or part of the Trinity that ever took human form. So he's in the garden, and he wants to get skins to cover Adam and Eve's sin, or to cover their nakedness. And so he had to kill at least one animal, maybe two, maybe lambs, and the animals would bleed as the Lord skinned them. And I'm picturing this in my mind's eye. And I see Adam and Eve for the first time looking at the shedding of blood. I I, I think they're kind of horrified as the Lord God takes the skin off those animals and somehow puts together clothing or covering for them. And there's blood all over the place, animal blood. You know, I, I just think they're saying to themselves, And we're responsible for that. That's what we did. And that was the beginning or institution of animal sacrifice and uh, the shedding of blood for sin. And throughout the whole Old Testament, blood sacrifice 
would be the way to come to God. Now, in Genesis chapter 4, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and people make a big deal out of you know, Adam knowing his wife. Adam knew his wife Eve, and I mean, the Bible doesn't give details about everything. I mean, Adam, Adam and Eve obviously had other children, and we see that you could intermarry for the sake of repopulating the earth with your own siblings, and not until after Moses received the law from God in Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus did marrying your close relative become a no-no. Okay, so Cain knew his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch, no, she gave birth to Cain. Where am I here? Okay, she gave birth to Cain, and she said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. So the deal here is when she said, I have brought forth a man, Eve really thought she bore, she, she, she bore the Messiah because God promised a Savior who would crush the head of Satan. And she, saw, and she thought this was it. Cain and Abel brought to God later on a sacrifice. Cain brought the fruit of the land that he worked, and it seemed very good and very sincere because it said, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought forth some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. Sounds good. He brought it to the Lord, but Abel brought the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now know the difference there. It says Abel brought the first fruits of his land. No, Cain brought the first fruits of his land. And notice it doesn't say, and Abel brought some fat portions from the firstborn of his flock. It says, but Abel brought some fat, some, um, excuse me, brought some fat portions from the first fruit of his flock. So we know right off that Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to God and Cain's sacrifice was not pleasing to God. Abel brought the fat portions. Now, if you read the book of Leviticus, certain parts of Leviticus tell us that there's two things you couldn't eat in an animal sacrifice. Number one was the blood because the life is in the blood. And number two is the fat portion because that was the best. That added taste to the meat. So what Abel is doing, you know, God said the fat portion is for me. And you don't eat the blood. And you offer the, you offer the meat and you offer the fat. So, so, so Abel was giving God his very best. And Cain was very angry. Verse 6 of Genesis 4, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. God wanted a blood sacrifice, and that goes back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, where Jesus killed the animals, or the Son of God killed the animals in the garden and um, made clothing for Adam and Eve. And here's the deal, guys. Sin is so heinous. It's so heinous to God that he demanded a blood sacrifice. Death for sin. It's the price. Death for sin. And for us, that means the whole downward spiral of man to death and ultimately death eternal, which is life apart from God. Now we have to know this to each of these blood sacrifices, these lambs or animals, pointed to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, because in John 1, 29, John sees Jesus coming, John the Baptist, sees Jesus coming for baptism, and he sees him and he says, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Now, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the blood of animal sacrifices could only cover your sins temporarily. 
You got to know that. Animal blood sacrifice only covered your sins. But when John saw Jesus, the Lamb of God, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which what? Removes or takes away completely your sins, the sin of the world. So what's going on here is this. Abel said, I'm coming to God his way. And Cain said, I'm a farmer, not a shepherd. I raise fruit and grain, not sheep. And so I'm coming to God my way. That's why God said, do what's right and you'll be accepted. Sin is crouching at your door and desires to master you. But you got to master it. And see, Cain and Abel, early in Scripture, tells us the biggest doctrinal point in the whole Bible. And the Holy Spirit makes that point early in Scripture. You come to God His way. That's it. His way is the only way, and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And folks, this is God's word, and it leaves no doubt about that. And so Cain rejected God's way. It was open rebellion. Take what I give you or leave it. Now look what happened. And you don't say that to God. In verse 8, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And so what happened here, guys, Cain said, this isn't fair that God would accept my brother's sacrifice and not my sacrifice. And, you know, sometimes people are angry with you and you just happen to be there. And so they kind of take it out on you. And that's exactly what happened here. Because Cain was angry at God, and yes, probably jealous of his brother, but angry at God. And so in his anger and in his jealousy, he took the life of his brother Abel more than likely to get back at God. Made me think about this. Do you know anybody, and they have no interest in God whatsoever? Do you know anybody who doesn't have any interest in God? And when something difficult happens, like they lose a loved one, or they lose a job, and they say, why is God doing this to me? Who do they blame? Yeah, they blame God. They have no interest any other time, but when something difficult happens in their life, they blame God, see? They say, that's not fair, God. Why are you doing this to me? I'm a good person. Now look at the mercy of God here, guys. You've got to look at the mercy of God. Cain is going to become a wanderer. Let me read now verses 9 to 16. It says, The Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know who replied him. I'm my brother's keeper. And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse, and you're driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. And then verse 12 when you work the ground from now on, this is his punishment. It will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land and I'm going to be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Now look what God did. But the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And so, guys, we just see the great mercy of God here. Because according to Genesis 9, 6, let me read Genesis 9, 6. It says, 
Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God has God made man. So death is punishable by man taking his life. Death is punishable by death. So God should rightly, he should rightly have taken Cain's life. But what did God do? God was merciful to him. He said, okay, you're not going to be a farmer anymore. Your curse is this, man. You're going to wander for the rest of your life. And Cain says, I can't handle that. It's too much for me. I'm a farmer. And so God put a mark on him. Now, what does Cain do? What does Cain do? God was so merciful to this guy. I mean, he should have taken his life, and he didn't take his life. He put this mark on Cain to protect him. Now, now you've got to think about this. Cain was a marked man by the protecting hand of God. Cain had said, in your face, God, I'm coming to you my way. Cain murders his brother, venting his hate against God. And God lets him live and marks him and protects him. And Cain should be on his face thanking God. And what does he do in verse 17? It says, Cain lay with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Now look what it says. Cain was then building a city. Now what did God condemn him to or curse him to? To wandering. And what does Cain do? He says, in your face, God, I'm not going to be a wanderer. And God was so merciful to him. Cain says, I'm going to build a city, a permanent place, and name it after my son, Enoch. So he's building the city of Enoch. And you know what else he's probably doing? God says, you're never going to plant again. He's probably planted a field. Probably grew crops. Hey, that's what I am. You know, I'm a farmer and I'm going to do it. Let's look at what this word of God says about our faith and our life. Um, I, I like to take this back to who God is. And in the story of Cain and Abel, here's what I see. I see that God is omniscient. There is a big word, O-M-N-I. Omni means all, and the rest of it, S-C-I-E-N-T, means science or knowledge. So God is all-knowing. He knows everything. And that can be unnerving. Now, I'm going to build up to a point here, but this can be very unnerving to know that God knows everything I do. Here's everything you say. He knows the motives and plans of my heart. Now, here's what Cain knew. He knew that God wanted a blood animal sacrifice. He knew all that. And I think um, he was a little bit stunned when God didn't accept his sacrifice and he accepted Abel's sacrifice. But why should he be surprised or stunned or angry when he knew that God wanted a blood sacrifice? Because he should have died, okay? See, Cain is so today because people come to God and they say what Cain said. I'm going to give you my best. It's the best I have for my field. I'm going to give you my best, God. God will certainly take that. God should certainly take that. I'm going to offer you my very best. And God says, why are you angry? Sin is crouching at your door. God knew that. Where's your brother Abel? God knew he killed him. I'm not sure that God knew. I'm not sure that, that Cain knew that God knew that. Listen, guys, God knows everything about you. What you think, what you feel. He knows when you're angry. He knows it when you love him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know everything. God's omniscient. And you know that I love you. God sees hearts. And this, guys, I've got to tell you, is what drives 
my life? What makes me obey God? What makes me want to live for God and do his will? I'm always looking inside myself, and I'm asking myself this question, why do I do things? I look at this. The Lord came to Cain, and he said, sin is crouching at your door. And you got to master this. you got to overcome this. And God gave him a choice. Now, did God know he would kill his brother Abel? Of course he did. So what did God do with him? He dealt with him in the present. Now, this is what I'm thinking about. I mean, God came to Solomon in a dream and said, it's a Solomon, you ask whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom, and God made a promise. And he said, Solomon, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to make you the wisest man on earth. I'm also going to give you all these riches that you didn't ask for. And he promised him that. He gave him a choice in the present. Did God know that Solomon would choose all these pagan wives, political marriages, and one day bring the whole nation of Israel down? That all began with Solomon. Yeah, he did, but he gave him a choice in the present. And God deals with us the same way today. He gives us choices to make in the present, even though he knows we, me in particular, are going to sin and act against his will. As a matter of fact, God does this. Psalm 19, verse 13, David prays. This is the prayer of David. Keep your servant from willful sins that they may not overcome me. I mean, there's sins we do spontaneously and we don't plan them. And then there's willful sins that we do where, where, where we know we're going to sin against God and our conscience is bothering us. Our conscience is saying no. And David prays, don't let this happen to me, God. Don't let me fall into these willful planned sins. Anyway, the deal is this. The Spirit is in you. And you feel a check in your spirit when you're about to do something. And now you've got to deal with that, and you have to struggle with that. And I need to tell you guys, I deal with that a lot of times. I want to do this, 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 and I feel a check in my spirit. And I have learned the lesson. When you feel that check in your spirit, don't do it. Okay? Cease, desist, don't go there. And the deal is, we do. This is a passage I look to all the time. And this is why I obey God. 168 of Psalm 119, the long passage. Whoever wrote Psalm 119 says, I obey your precepts and your statutes. Why? Why do I obey your precepts and your statutes? Because all my ways are known to you, the omniscient God. Why do I obey God? Why do you obey God? I obey God because he sees all things, he knows all things, he knows me, and I don't obey God. I don't want to obey God because if I mess up my life, I'm going to have to pay the, pay the price for that. If I sin against God's will and mess up my life, I'm going to pay the price. Or because I fear God, I'm afraid God's going to get me. I don't want to obey God. I don't want to obey God for that reason. I want to obey God because he made me his own in eternity past. I want to obey God because of Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he took my infirmities, carried my sorrows, yet I considered him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was upon him. And so Jesus Christ died. I'm building up to this. And the women, to do the right thing, went to the tomb. They went to a bomb. When they got there, the tomb was empty except for a couple of angels, and they said, he's not here, he is risen. Now, that takes me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And this is what I have because of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That tells me two things, because I'm identified with Christ by faith. And Jesus, who was dead and buried, God raised him from the dead. And then he put him in heaven and seated him at his right hand. And by faith, I'm totally identified with Jesus Christ. You know what that means for me? It means that right now, it's as if I'm raised from the dead. That's why our salvation is secure. I am raised from the dead. It's as if right now I have that certain promise of God. I am seated at the right hand of God with Jesus Christ. Now here's the deal. Like Cain, I knew that sin would crouch at my door. And yet God gave me a choice. He dealt with me in the present. I knew that I would open that door wide. Or he knew, God knew, that I would open that door wide. And let sin come in, and I would cave into that sin. And he still loved me enough to give that sin to his only son, Jesus Christ. And so I ask myself, when sin crouches at my door, and I'm training myself to do this, I say, how can I sin like this against such a love? How can I do that? Sin crouches at my door. God deals me with, with me in the present, even though he knows I'm going to walk through that open door. And he knows I'm going to sin. He knows I'm going to violate his will. He knows I'm going to be in rebellion against him. And I obey God because I'm aware of that. And that helps me and moves me to decide, wait, a love like that demands a response of love. And I just want to impress this on you guys. The motive for your obedience to God should be great, great love. You know, Cain said my way, Abel said God's way. And every time we go our way, we're going to hurt somebody. Listen, I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. Um, Guys, I would never give in on a moral or biblical issue. You know that. I will not give in to anybody, I don't care who it is, on a moral or biblical issue, by God's grace, okay? But we have to know, not all issues are moral or biblical issues. And so why draw a battle line? Why draw a battle line? It makes no sense. I mean, eating humble pie and giving in is very godly. And it shows that you care about a person and his or her feelings. Let's say you're a person in authority at work, and um, other people at work tells you what's working for them out there, and you don't listen. You say, my way. You've just destroyed good morale and teamwork. Why? My way. See? It's destructive. It's a lousy witness. And you and me, frankly, are not the most important people in the world. 
Abel offered God a blood sacrifice. We're almost done. And came to God God's way. Cain said, I'll come to God my way. I'll bring him a nice fruit basket, and I'll wrap it up, and I'll wrap it real pretty. God tells us this about Abel in Hebrews 11, and this is verse 4. Listen, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, now get this, he still speaks, even though he is dead. So what does Abel's blood still speak to us today? Don't wrap any pretty packages of our good works and hold them before God and expect God to accept them for our salvation. Cain knew from the Lord killing animals in the garden that the way to God the Father was, was something that represented death for sin, a blood animal sacrifice, and he rejected that. He rejected God's way. And guys, I'm going to tell you, the only sin that condemns is rejection of God, rejection of God's way. This is Matthew 12, and this is verse 31. Jesus said, and so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven against men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit who reveals the way to salvation to you and you turn away from that and say, I'm coming my way, will never be forgiven. Remember that, okay? It all goes back to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.